This week on The Verge Chat, we talk about the app issues in the Iowa caucus. We talk about whether or not the United States government should buy Nokia. That's a real thing. We get into Pen S. Pen A taking over both Windows hardware and software. A little bit about Google earnings. And then I'm just to be honest with you. It gets wild when we talk about the Apple TV. That's coming up on The Verge Chat now. Support for the podcast comes from Canva. Presenting to a group of your colleagues can be nerve-wracking. So why not ease some of that anxiety with Canva? Thanks to their AI, you can start with a simple prompt and watch Canva go to work. Choose your favorite style, customize the content, and that's it. You're done. It's a serious time saver. Whatever you do for work, Canva presentations can give you a head start on your deck. You generate sales presentations, marketing decks, HR onboarding plans, you name it. Finish your deck faster. Generate slides in seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com, designed for work. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello and welcome to VergeCast, the flagship podcast of the 5G revolution. Right. If if we were good at sponsors, someone would buy that. Mm. <laughs> but we're not. So no one and I would I would reject it anyway because of integrity. That's right. I'm your friend Neli. Paul Miller, you're in New York. Hello. How's it going? It's good to be here. You're like you live here now. Some some upset. <laughs> <laughs> Literally packed a bag and just moved to New York again. That's apparently that's all it takes. Dieter Bone is here. I'm not in New York though. That's true. You know, look, for all it takes apparently is just a bag and a yeah, dream. It's so easy. Oh, yeah, that's that's all it takes. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell my wife. <laughs> That's the real problem. Anyway, it's a, it's a busy week. There's actually a lot going on this week. Paul, you just said to us that you think that you can explain Iowa, which uh-huh. is a broad generalization. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I don't know if that's entirely possible, but uh, there was a, a, a caucus, a mm-hmm. Democratic primary event. It went sideways. The way I would put this is it went from, oh, no, don't let it be the app. Mm-hmm. To oh boy, it's the app. To yeah, uh, to actually pure chaos. Yeah. To I don't know if it's the app anymore. Yeah. So all right, go ahead. <laughs> problem problem negative one. Right. Set the scene. Tried to do a poll, failed at doing the poll. So we had no poll going into the primary. Right. But that's that's right. unrelated. Problem problem zero. I would say this definitely starts starts the issues. They picked a company named Shadow Incorporated. <laughs> <laughs> to make an app that the this uh, is the Iowa Democratic Party, correct? Okay. Yes, yes. Um, and apparently, some other state Democrat parties had also were working. Like Nevada announced that they were working with Shadow Incorporated, but now they they have cut ties. So, so not just Iowa was doing this, but they picked this company to make an app. And so you you know you go to the poll site, you caucus with people, whatever that if that's a verb or a noun, who knows. And um, and then the uh, the local temporary leader type people would report the results of the caucusing to the Central Democratic Party of Iowa through this app. So problem one with the app, it was hard to download the app because it wasn't on the app stores. Yes. And like I 
you know, I've worked with my parents. Every time I try to help them on their phone, they don't even remember their Apple ID password, right? Yeah. yeah. So it's hard to get an app downloaded from a real app store. But here they had to use like test fairy. So you'd have to download an app for beta testing applications. Then you'd have to download the app, for the actual Iowa uh, result app. And in, in some cases, like uh, on Android, often when you use even those test things, there's like a scary warning thing that pops up saying, are you sure you want to do this? Unsafe, you know, sources, blah, 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 blah. And apparently a lot of people had trouble getting the app. Then problem two, a lot of people had trouble logging into the app because there's the, a PIN code, a precinct number, and then a 2FA code or something like that. Yeah. And they're all the same number of digits. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, so that was an issue as well. So... Even if all that worked out, the app was misformatting data when it would upload it. So, but apparently, they, the, the Shadow Incorporated says they fixed it. Whatever, I don't. It's really hard to tell. Obviously, there's a lot of chaos around this. But they were having trouble actually uploading the correct data. But after that, that's when I don't know what's going on anymore because the fallback is you just call in and say, "Here's the problem," and then you just report the results. Yeah. So that's where now you can just re venture into all sorts of conspiracy theories because the fact that the app didn't work is one thing, but the fact that we still don't know the results in Iowa now yeah. when theoretically people could just call them in and tell them and so they could be two, tallied. There are two things. Uh, one, one piece of information broke today. NBC News reported that the phone number to call in was uh, Googleable. So mm -hmm. it wound up on 4chan, <laughs> um, and the 4chan boards decided to clog the line. Okay. So that was just created. It just created a delay. Then there were probably some even. I mean, 4chan is already a malevolent force, but then there's like the actual malevolent disinformation mm -hmm. forces also got hold of the number. So that's all bad. I, I think the bigger story here is you, you describe the app. The app is like that's like the verge zone. Mm -hmm. Jeter, you wrote a column this week that I think just laid it out. Like we know how computers work. It's like we had the same conversation about like Sonos and the speakers and the right and the software not supported. It's like are we still are we just going to just routinely be surprised uh, that computers are computers? Like <laughs> that you cuz you see you see exactly what happened here. You hire this company Shadow Inc. <laughs> uh, and they say we've got this app. The app is supposed to make it easier to do a pretty basic thing, mm -hmm. yeah. right? Type in the first set of numbers, then they they realign themselves, right? Because there's some calculation that happens, right? So mm -hmm. you type in the first set of numbers who everybody in, in your little local caucus is going to support, mm -hmm. and then you type in like after some candidates are deemed not viable, you type in the second set of numbers that's mm -hmm. realignment, and then you type in like the delegate like does that. This is what computers are for. Yeah, okay. To be clear, as far as I understand, everybody's reported that the apps did the math perfectly. Yeah, sure. Yeah. You're right. The, because the, the thing computers. that's hard is distributed systems. Right. So, like, the you see exactly what happened here. Like, okay, we're going to do some math. Mm -hmm. Computers are oh, great yeah. at oh, math. Yeah. So now we're going to make a bunch of promises based on the idea that people will have access to the app uh, and we'll do the math perfectly mm -hmm. about yeah. how fast we'll be able to distribute the answers, mm -hmm. how secure they'll be, blah, blah, blah. And they staffed down their phone banks, and they didn't build a backup system in case their ridiculous plan to 
distribute an app to 1,600 volunteers in test flight went sideways. Which, <laughs> if you know anything, if you're like, I'm going to distribute my app via test flight, the first thing you should think is, this will go sideways. It's, to be clear, it's not necessarily test flight. There's also test ferry It was involved. test ferry yeah. on Android and test flight on okay, iOS. Okay. Yeah. yeah. How many hundreds of millions of dollars were spent in Iowa for this this thing, this primary? Uh, many, many tens of millions, right? From the campaigns and the advertising. From the campaigns. And my uh, Bloomberg just dropped $22 million in Iowa today just for fun. No, <laughs> I, I don't know if that's true. That's just the sort of thing he does. How much would it have cost, do you think, to just buy, you know, 400 iPhone 6s and just preload the app on it and hand them out? Mm. Just drive them to every precinct and be like, this is your reporting phone. Yeah, we put it in like kiosk mode and just use this phone. Yeah, I mean, maybe. Yeah. The thing that I see, and again, Dito, this is like inherent in your column. If someone just described this to anyone, yeah, there's like five places you're like, that will never work. It will but just never work the way you want it to. The, the problem is when you hear us say test flight, it was installed by a test flight or test ferry, uh, you, the Vergecast listener, are like, oh, that seems bad. Um, but I, it seems pretty clear that a bunch of people are like, you know what, they're the technology people. I'm sure they've got a handle on it. And that they're the technology people. I'm sure they got a handle on it. That phrase or that thought had to have occurred at least a half a dozen times before the night of the primary, before mm-hmm. the night of the caucus, right? There's the, the number of warning flags uh, where somebody should have been like, eh, I don't know much about technology, but that seems bad, which is just massive. And yeah. so my, my whole point is there's, you know, there's a responsibility for regulation. Do we want to live in a world where you have to for, you know, if you want to make an app for election, it has to be approved by the central government? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But I definitely want to live in a world where there's a basic fundamental level of tech literacy where if someone says, hey, man, we're going to run the first election of the 2020, you know, presidential campaign and uh, we we hired this company and we paid them 60 grand to make an app and they're going to distribute by a test ferry. And no one can see it first. Yeah, no one can see it first and security through obscurity and, you know, all of these things that as a person that is conversant with technology, you listening to this show probably know, like, wait a minute, this should stop, that more people need to be able to say, hang on. <laughs> like, that's all. I mean, this is to me the we keep training people to not know how their phones work, in particular their phones, mm. right? Like the, neither Apple nor Google really wants you to know how your phone works. They want you to do everything through their app store and they want to sell you that they've checked the apps and the cost of app developers being mad and whatever is all worth it. Because they're they're doing it for you, and all you got to yeah. do is like search for the thing you want in the store, and download the app, and everything will be fine. And you don't really need to know how anything in the background is working, particularly with phones. I think this is the case. It is increasingly <laughs> the case uh, with laptops. I think you had another column, Dieter, this week where you're like, uh, it was the same one where you're like, Microsoft calls laptops the intelligent edge. Yes, that's so <laughs> annoying. <laughs> like, that's, uh, that's not right. Uh, there was an insane bug with Windows this week. Yes. This week where Bing went down <laughs> and local search in Windows 10 just displayed a plain gray box. Yep. Yeah. That's a, that, come on. Okay. I- just to, to heighten everyone's fear and panic in this situation, um, <laughs> so Motherboard got a, got a hold of the APK of the actual yeah. app and, and is distributing it as some sort of, you know, like um, 
we need to look at what's yeah. going on here. Um, and so I had some experts look at it, and the, one of these quotes is just amazing. The code looks like someone Googled things like how to add authentication to React Native app and followed the instructions. Now, now that might sound mm, scary to somebody. Like, uh, in my professional job, like, my job is is I dig dig with a shovel. I don't have to Google it every time <laughs> I dig with a shovel. But, but most of technology is built by people yeah. who Googled it and followed the instructions. This is most of our technology. This is not a weird anomaly. Like, maybe yeah. that, that shows that this person is a bit of a, a beginner. But I don't know. I just that really struck me because it was such a true statement. Yeah, I don't think you should hire a beginner to write your election app. I mean, this is like it's not even a voting app. Like, it's what's bi- truly bizarre about this is this is the best case scenario for let's drop technology onto an election, right? In every one of these like little locations, there's someone in charge. There's a paper backup record. Right. Yeah. And all and, they need to do is transmit the results from here to there. And to be clear, this is. An election run by a private organization that is not the government. Right. It's the this, Iowa Democratic Party right, is having is not, its caucus and this is its system. Right. This the government is not a has vote some, for the president in the sense of a real election. This is a vote by an organization trying to determine who they will put forward for an election. Yeah. I mean, the, the state governments manage the primary process in their states. So but, the Iowa Democratic Party is allowed to do this. Right. But like, yes, there's some government and it's still an election. Is it? Yes. I mean, I know it's an election, but yes, it is. It's different than an election, too, right? Well, no, it's. I mean, it's small groups of people in high school gyms in Iowa moving around in circles. But yes, it's an election. Um, I mean, there, there's a, it's an election, but also it involves Red Rover. It's a middle school dance that determines the president. I don't know how to make this clear for you, right? But you're right. It's the Iowa Democratic Party is the one who is in charge, mm-hmm. right? And they're making some decisions under some system that the Iowa state government is like put into place, right? All of this is to say they shouldn't have hired a beginner. Even for this like best case scenario Mm -hmm. of all we really need you to do is write down how many people are in the groups the first time, Mm -hmm. say that these groups aren't going to make it, let them join new groups, and then write down how many groups are, how many people are in the groups the second time, then open this app, Mm -hmm. type in all the numbers, and walk away. Like it's not voting in that way. It's It's reporting. Then you you say, okay, we can't even accomplish this. In the backup, which is just call us on the phone, we can't even manage that. We probably should never let anyone vote with their phone is like the next step of this. And Mm -hmm. I think that's the one where it's just deeply connected to the dream is that it's election day and everyone picks up their phone and like checks a box for checks a box for whoever they want to vote for mm-hmm. and they put their phone back down and then we all have results instantly and it's just abundantly clear we are not ready for that in any way shape or form the thing that was rolling around in my head was results instantly we have been trained to expect election results and expect information instantly. You Google something, the information's there, you can get it. So the amount of consternation of not knowing what the results were is part of the problem. It would have been okay if they just said, yep, uh, we're going to hold the election and we won't know the information for a couple of days. We had a technical problem. Like, it's not okay. But on the other hand, uh, the level of freakout, especially from cable news that were like, completely outraged. It was pretty clear that part of their outrage was the fact that they didn't have anything to talk about and they were mad. They were like personally angry (laughs) about that. Yeah. We have learned 
two bad lessons from technology that are like multiplying upon each other. One that the technologists got it. Apps apps are like easy to make, and like we don't want to have to look behind the curtain to see how they work. And two, uh, we should be able to get any piece of information the second we think we might want it, and if we if it's not available to us, uh, we need someone to yell at for that. Like those two things together added up to like this complete fiasco. Yeah. Watching cable news that night was uh, very entertaining. They were just like, they're so mad. And so they were so irresponsible. They it jumped immediately to all sorts of not quite conspiracy theories, but like saying, well, people might say that there was a problem with the something, something. And it's just putting the idea in people's heads that maybe it was hacked when clearly everyone was saying it wasn't as a news organization. Not the right move yeah. for an election. I mean, it definitely, it definitely wasn't hacked because it didn't work. <laughs> like, what was there to hack here, really? Okay, well, that's Iowa. Maybe one day we'll find out who won the caucus yeah. in Iowa. There's another policy story that I want to talk about. It, it is just so close to my heart. Yeah. Because it, it's so, it's so dumb. Yeah. Uh, but you might have heard there's a there's a race mm-hmm. to yeah. to G's. Yes. The fifth G. The fifth G is. It's before us. We got to right. get there fast. So Huawei is a company from China. The UK government just voted to allow Huawei to sell infrastructure to telecom vendors there. Up to 35%. Yeah. There's a report in the Financial Times that Trump called Boris Johnson and, and yelled at him about this, which is incredible because uh, it was a vote. So he, even if Boris Johnson wanted it to be different, I'm not sure that he could do that. So Huawei's there. There's the notion that the Chinese government so thoroughly backs Huawei that no one can compete. So today, Bill Barr, the Attorney General of the United States, gave a speech and he suggested that the United States government uh, just buy Nokia or a controlling <laughs> stake in Nokia or Ericsson or both. I didn't uh, see this controlling stake. I thought, I thought it was just invest in them. Uh, no, it says controlling stake. Uh, and either we would, the government would do it directly or mm-hmm. they would provide incentives for private <laughs> equity groups. I'm not even done yet. It's, it, the, it's just going to keep escalating with the dumbness. Or they would incentivize private equity groups to buy controlling stakes in Nokia right, right. or Ericsson. And then there's this competing plan from the Trump White House, which is you're going to get all the vendors together mm-hmm. and they're going to agree on like an, uh, an open standard situation so that you could mix and match software and hardware more easily. <laughs> mm. And Bill Barr was like, no, that's dumb. It's unproven. It'll never work. We just need to own it. So there's like literally an open, closed debate inside the government. And one answer is, what if America just buys Nokia, which I love so much. Which sounds to me, you know what's wrong with Huawei? Is they're too influenced by their government. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And so our solution from the Republicans is, to be is like China. what if the cops buy Nokia? <laughs> because Bill Barr is the head of law enforcement. Like, what if the cops just own Nokia? I mean, we have been asking the government to intervene and, and lay more fiber, you know. That's right. Isn't allow... that what you want? In the end of the day, what did I really want? I wanted the cops to buy Nokia. <laughs> what I think is that the best part about this is, like, a large American company has, uh, in our recent history, purchased Nokia. <laughs> Like it didn't go well when Microsoft bought Nokia. They they didn't buy the infrastructure part, right? Uh, they, no, they, yeah, they did buy the handset business. Was Stephen Elop, our right. boy? So here you send Elop back in. Yeah, yeah. What's he doing? <laughs> Get him in there, Stephen. Go back to Finland. So I've I've always had a, a trouble with the Huawei story. Is like, is this industry special interests who want to be commissioned to build the infrastructure in the U.S. 
doing so good at lobbying. And this story, you know, d- doesn't clarify that at all. I mean, it's everything that I've ever wanted mm. from a tech policy story. <laughs> like literally uh, the cops wanted by Nokia. Like, what do you want me to say? I can't get enough of it. Uh, but a little more seriously, like there is this fear that small carriers in the United States who want to compete, they're going to see 5G as a moment to enter. Mm-hmm. You know, they're obviously going to want to reduce costs. And Huawei will just sell them the cheapest stuff because it is heavily subsidized by the Chinese government. The Chinese government will insist on a backdoor. Now you have a backdoor to, to U.S. networks. Game, set, match, right? Like, that's mm-hmm. the fear. That's the, the nightmare the, scenario. The thing that we know for sure is that Huawei's stuff is available and typically cheaper and often seems to be the best. I mean, I think there's a big conversation about what it means to be the best in this context. Mm-hmm. But, yes, it is definitely yeah. available and cheaper. Right. And I do think that there are people that uh, authentically have that fear, genuinely feel it, aren't just like – you know, pretending like they're afraid of security stuff because really they're just trying to make sure that they can, in a business sense, like stick it to Huawei. Mm -hmm. So uh, I think what is interesting here is that obviously Huawei makes 4G LTE equipment, and we have Mm -hmm. not heard this quite so loudly when it comes to the existing network build-out. It's because we're about to build the next generation of networks. We'll move more things onto it, presumably, all the nonsense 5G stuff that we hear, Mm -hmm. um, that Huawei will become a dominant provider of this networking gear, drive the other companies out of business, and then we live in a world of Chinese infrastructure, which is funded for slash has a backdoor for the Chinese government. Mm -hmm. Okay. All that said, I don't know that the answer is uh, we should buy Nokia. Like it's it's the jump from there to there that is like particularly bizarre to me because we've already said to our companies, American companies, we don't want you to buy this equipment. We already have plans. Uh, Jeffrey Starks was on the Verge cast last year. Uh, we talked about rip and replace plans. So the vendors have already bought Huawei equipment. They will rip it out. They will replace all their stuff. The government will subsidize that investment. Uh, I don't know if you've noticed this. Verizon's been very quiet about it. Uh, they have a 5G network. They don't talk about it a lot. <laughs> Verizon's like, we have 5G everywhere. It's in your brain, Verizon. at and like, our 5G is better. T-Mobile's like, our 5G, while uh, not yet available, uh, will kill you uh, and kill Verizon because ours are the like. The networks in this country are already offering 5G. Mm-hmm. And what, yeah. e- what equipment are they using? Right. They're not using Huawei equipment. They're using Nokia, Ericsson. Uh, Siemens, like they're they're they have found vendors, mm-hmm. so it's it's just this is such weird timing to say Huawei is about to win, when all of the marketing that any consumer hears is five G is here. We've, we're winning the race. Right. Uh, the FCC today announced a plan to auction off two hundred eighty megahertz of spectrum in the C band. Mm-hmm. Like Verizon immediately put out a press release that's like, yes, this will help us win the race to five G. Like we're doing stuff. Mm-hmm. It is not clear why at this time. We need to make sure that Nokia wins. I like the angle. Um, Wall Street Journal has a quote from Huawei's U.S. security lead, Andy Purdy, who <laughs> this is kind of a PR win for the basically the U.S. government to say, everybody sucks except for Huawei. We have to subsidize to be as good as Huawei. If, so his quote is, if the U.S. wants 5G hardware and software developed by a U.S. or European company, the government should encourage companies to begin negotiations with Huawei to license our 5G technology. That's great. It's <laughs> great. Uh, Qualcomm exists. I don't know if you have heard about Qualcomm. They're a mm. small company based in the mm-hmm. U.S. that owns most of the patents to 5G technology. Like, 
It is Cisco exists. What's Cisco doing? This Cisco is my my bet for the competent lobbyist in this situation. <laughs> Just like Cis, I mean, like Cisco has bought every other networking vendor that has ever started in America. Mm-hmm. If you would like to be rich, here's what you do: you start a company that makes like five port Ethernet switches, and you just wait for Cisco to show up because they're like, we can't have that. We need to own all the five port Ethernet switches in America. It's, it's not. You're it's not hundred percent true. <laughs> Uh, and so it's just bizarre, like the idea that like law enforcement officials, not the FCC, not anybody else, are like, we need to the, the American government needs to somehow get private equity to buy a controlling stake in Nokia or do it directly is just, it's I'm, like everything that I've I'm ever dreamed sorry of. that I I sound like Alex Jones, but it, it's just like the law enforcement agency works with these companies to put back doors in our infrastructure. Yeah. Yeah, there's like AT&T and Verizon buildings here that have no windows, like that loom ominously over New York. And it's like, yeah, that's where the FBI goes. So it's like, we can't accept this Huawei equipment that doesn't have backdoors. Well, no, I mean. That doesn't have our backdoors. So that's like, it would, <laughs> just to be clear, because they would require AT&T and Verizon to put in American law enforcement backdoors. Mm-hmm. Right, like AT and T would still operate its building where the NSA can go and like look mm-hmm. at the network traffic, which is not ideal, but it would still happen. Right. The problem is, presumably, the Chinese spy agencies would have their would own, possibly also have access, and you don't want that. It's never that the cops aren't going to get it. The cops will always get <sighs> the, the cops. Will always get the uh, Bill Barr. Also, he um uh, he put out a uh, this is totally unrelated, but he has a draft proposal uh, with Lindsey Graham's name on it that he. If you want Section 230 protection for your platform, you have to offer an encryption backdoor. Earn it. Yeah, it's called the Earn It Act. It is the most upside. First of all, it's like, do you know what you really want? You want to break iMessage. Do you know what Apple Mm -hmm. doesn't run? Any publishing platform with user-generated content. (laughs) Like, Tim Cook is like, great, we will not earn it at this Um, time. Like, we don't need. You know more podcast reviews? (laughs) Yeah, sorry. We're we're, going to go ahead and shut down Ping. Are you whatever? And Google is like, well, our messaging strategy hasn't really worked out, <laughs> so we're just going to go ahead and not – Right, the only company yeah. that this matters to is Facebook. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Facebook right now is not encrypted. They've announced a plan to be encrypted, but they could just uh, not do that. Right. The end. Or they could just give him back – like Bill Barr, he wants to be – he has like a telecom background, so he, he thinks he's in it, you know? Uh, but it's just like the more he does stuff, his ideas are like the Earn It Act and then – what if I buy Nokia? Mm-hmm. Which, to be fair, as somebody who also thinks they know about telecom policy, I often think about what would happen if I buy Nokia. I'm very sympathetic to that idea. I just is there any definitive evidence that uh, Huawei has built five uh, backdoors into its 5G infrastructure? Oh, if you ever spend any time with the Huawei people, mm-hmm. will they ever tell you that there is no definitive evidence that such a thing exists? Yeah, uh, they are happy at any time. To just, to, I mean, I'm surprised wasn't one Huawei PR person hasn't shown up for now. Nobody uh, expects the Spanish Inquisition. <laughs> I mean, their whole thing is look, we've been selling networking equipment for years and years and years to governments around the world who are suspicious of China. They've all checked it, it's all checked, everything's fine. Mm-hmm. Will we ever know if, like, right. the Swiss government found a Huawei backdoor and, pan- like, we will never know? Mm-hmm. So I think that's like, that's a, a problem inside of this entire, mm-hmm. entire story. I will say that I tweeted the Wall Street Journal article about the United States buying Nokia, and a number of Finnish people have been like, just try it. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. I've never been happier about the angry Finns in my mentions. (laughs) 
All right, let's take a break. I really hope the government buys Nokia. Support for this podcast comes from Canva. They say Rome wasn't built in a day, but you know what you can get built in a day? Your creative deck. You can generate creative decks to use for all your important presentations with Canva. Thanks to their AI, you can start with a simple prompt and watch Canva go to work. You want a sales presentation for a tech company? Done. Create an employee onboarding plan? No problem. Just type it in and watch Canva work its magic. You'll have generated options in seconds. Choose your favorite style, customize the content, and you're done. It's a serious time saver at work. So whatever you do at your job, Canva presentations can give you a head start on your deck. You can generate sales presentations, marketing decks, HR onboarding plans, you name it. It's AI for every department. It's easy to learn. It's even easier to use. And because it's built in Canva presentations, you can stay focused on the task at hand with no app switching. Finish your deck faster. Generate slides in seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. Support for this podcast comes from Constant Contact. If you're a business owner, you already know that it's really, really hard to cut through the noise of everyday life. If you want to connect with your customers, you need to break through the noise. You need Constant Contact. Constant Contact is a marketing platform that makes it easy to reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and connect over email, text, social media, and more. Whether you're a marketing guru or just learning the ropes, Constant Contact offers writing assistance tools and automation features that make it simple to say the right thing at the right time. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. So some actual news in consumer tech land. Mm -hmm. Uh, Tom Warren tweeted it, uh, this Microsoft news this way. He just said, it's Microsoft Reorg Day, which implies it happens on the frequency of like a Patch Tuesday. You know, like... Oh, for sure. At least annually, right? I mean, stuff happened, but... Oh, they've uh, got the sign. It's been X days since the last Reorg. (laughs) Just up. So our our boy, Panos Panay, Mm -hmm. now in charge of the Windows in addition to hardware. Dieter, you want to walk us through it? He's in charge of Windows clients. Yes, I hate this term. Which, which Paul, well, it's an intelligent do wanna, edge. Do you want to try and explain the difference between uh, Azure, Windows, and Windows Client? Windows Client is a software that you run on your computer. It's Windows. Windows <laughs> is is brand is Microsoft has decided that Windows is a good brand, and so therefore everything that they do in some way is Windows. No, so, Azure is their brand. But, but Windows is still around because yeah. Windows, like, technically, there, there was a minute where they're like, Xbox runs Windows. And kind of. Yeah. And then HoloLens runs Windows. Well, sort of. And there's, like, all these different versions of the shell that is, you know, also the client. And it gets very complicated very quickly. The point is, the thing that you think of as Windows has now been moved under the auspices of Panos Panay, who until now is doing all the hardware stuff. So he's making all the surfaces. Yeah. And the, you know, the PR was like the, the whole thing that you expect everybody to say, which is we're going to tightly tie hardware and software together and it'll make the whole thing better, um, which is like true. <laughs> 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 um, 
It also, to me, shows that where is Dell going to go? Like, how? what kind of advantages could Microsoft give Surface devices under this unified thing? Maybe you could think of something. It might be something small. might be something big. Who knows? But no matter what, whether they are completely neutral and give no advantages to Surface hardware because of the hardware-software integration, give a nice little advantage or something huge, where's Dell going to go? Where's HP going to go? What are they going to do? So I've got an idea. Is it Linux? They should buy Nokia. (laughs) (laughs) Why not? So this is, there's only a few comparisons here, right? Um, And I've said this a lot. I've talked to Panos about this a lot uh, over the years. Microsoft is the only tech company that has ever had a successful hardware business at the same time it licenses the operating system to its competitors. There there is not another one. The closest is Google and Android. Mm-hmm. And they do not have a successful hardware business. Fair. Yep. Right? Okay. Like, the, the Pixel is always sort of just, like, around the edges, doesn't sell very well. Mm-hmm. Samsung is the winner, and then everyone else gets to did, sort of play. Did, right? What about yep. Palm licensing Palm OS? A fire. Dieter still has PTSD. I mean, it gave us the Sony Clie. Yeah. yeah. That was nice. I had, I had a Handera phone. Let me go ahead and ask. <laughs> the word I was using was successful. Yeah, Does okay. this company still exist? Do no. those products <laughs> still exist? Did any of those executives look happy at the time? No. Right. It, I mean, that is like, that is the mm. singular example of here's what seems like a good idea, uh-huh. but it is actually a disaster that ruins the company. Right, we're going to make the hardware. We're going to—they spun it out. It's called Palm Source. There's a whole thing. Access, right, they, they spun access it, Palm. They they spun it back in. Yep. Leo so, Apotheker showed up so, and ruined oh everything. That was much later, but yes. Right. So the only other comparison is Google. Uh huh. And for the longest time, the way they handled it was basically the same. Right. So Google will tell you that the Pixel team and the Android team don't get to talk. Right. Do you truly believe this? But they will tell you this. And they're like generally a sincere bunch. But they're like the Pixel team licenses Android just like Samsung does. Yeah. They will also tell you that uh, the reason that the Nexus existed before the Pixel was uh, we want to create like a, a Halo flagship device that tells the rest of the industry where to go, which is another thing that Microsoft has said many times with the Surface. And in both cases, for a while, this was definitely true. The main real reason this thing existed was to convinced the rest of the industry that it was possible to make something that wasn't a piece of crap. Yes. And that they could they could make a nice thing, it turns out, and it would sell. Yeah. So the flip side was for the longest time, Panos on our show would say, We we love our ecosystem. We, you know, the world needs Windows laptops. Our job is to push the hardware forward. I don't have special access to Windows. He said it to us a thousand times. And it is true that when they started Surface, you know, the story he he has told is he would like go to the store, he would go to Best Buy, and there would be no Windows laptop over seven hundred dollars, and Apple was just destroying them on the high end. So they they wanted to make a laptop that competed at the high end, the premium stuff. None of the vendors wanted to do it because they didn't see the opportunity. They didn't want to like sink the cost. Microsoft has all the money. They spent all the they spent all the money. They built the fancy hardware and they let that propagate through the ecosystem, right? So like hinge design, uh, custom thermals, all that stuff, like Microsoft actually shares pretty freely freely with its ecosystem. Great. So Microsoft eats the upfront hardware development cost. They don't get special access to Windows, but they don't need to do the bloatware, blah, blah, blah. Turns out Surface is actually successful, right? It's not just this like pie in the sky, pixel Nexus thing. It's a very successful business line for Microsoft. They make great products. And now they're going to remove the barrier, between the operating system team and the hardware team. And that, that I think there's more there 
then, you know, it's like, how much do you believe that barrier exists? Like they say it. Is it important to say so partners believe you? Or is it like, it was never really there and we're just going to drop the fiction? I lean towards the latter. Yeah. But the, the fact that the Neo is coming, right? The, the Windows 10X folding thing. Yeah. If there was, if that fiction was actually instantiated in some sort of org chart, you know, Joe Belfiore is over there and like he's got to set up a meeting to figure out the thing with the software to do the other thing, blah, 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 blah. That adds some time and friction, at least organizationally, to making sure that Windows 10X actually works on a dual screen device or, you know, another thing like HoloLens or whatever, right? The Windows team is over there thinking about Windows and the Windows client and, and like all, you know, Dell and HP and what are they going to do next and how are they going to make Bing happy and, you know, da 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 da. Um, and this, the hardware team is over here thinking about hardware. And then it turns out that, oh, wait, we need the software to do a thing to make our hardware work. They need to like have a meeting. Mm-hmm. And now the meeting can just be in Panos's head. He'll <laughs> 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 have a team, of course, yeah. but they'll be able to turn the, the wheel faster on the new stuff they want to try. And they'll be able to get stuff done, especially for this very, very important launch of the Duo, I think a little bit more quickly. Do you, do you think this has any impact on Microsoft think, like thinking that the way to monetize Windows client is Office 365 and, I don't know, Skype credits and OneDrive? Yeah, no, that's, I mean, Windows is basically free. I mean, you know, you could, it's not hard to get a copy of Windows. And so they, <laughs> they want, they want to make all the money off of all those subscriptions for sure. Well, I just, I, I feel like as, a, as someone who, let's say I, in the future, I'm going to buy a Dell laptop. I would feel better about that purchase, that Windows is something that Microsoft works on passionately to make it work great on Surface and also works well enough with its, um, now competitors in the laptop space to make sure that all the drivers work and stuff like that. Versus a Microsoft is like, hey, we made this free-to-play operating system with a bunch of upsell opportunities, and we also, you know, we also put it on our hardware and we offer it for free to all the, you know, I, I just feel like I would like Microsoft to be passionate about Windows, and I haven't gotten that vibe in the past few years. I think that's fair. I mean, I I just saw Nadella, and he, we put it up. He was like, look, uh, there's a lot of Android and iOS phones in the world. We're going to address them. We're going to make an Android phone of our own. There's a lot of Windows devices, and there's a lot of Macs. Like, we're out there. We're doing it. And then he was, like, pivoted to, like, Windows for IoT. Like, that's how he's thinking. All of these things are endpoint for Microsoft software and services, and it would be great if all those endpoints talk to Azure, which is where they make the money. Quote, sometimes I say, quote, hey, look, should I call Windows Azure Edge? Unquote, unquote. <laughs> so I was, in room, I was in a room with a bunch of very fancy journalists when he said that. And like, you know, it's like Ben Smith from BuzzFeed, Andrew Osterkin from The Times. And I'm the nerd who was like, what? <laughs> type, 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 type. <laughs> so just to bring this all the way back around, I think the answer to Panos now runs hardware. He runs Windows Client, which, which is Windows. And Dell is... Microsoft clearly sees it, its future in delivering this kind of big service experience. Yeah. It is better for that business if the Dells of the world are successful. Right. If there are more endpoints. And I think you see that from Nadella. Like, it's just, to him, it's a series of endpoints that he can put Microsoft services on, other mm -hmm. people's services are on, that rely on Azure. 
That's his version of the business. I think it's very compelling. He's pulled it off, right? Yeah, they're making tons of money. Making tons of money. Uh, Developers seem very happy with them. No one thinks of them as evil anymore. Like, they're a a much happier, healthier company since Nadella has taken over, right? There's no... There's no confusion about what they are, what they're doing. There's no hand wringing about the future of Windows as a business, right? Like, they're just making their move. They're just it's going over there. So if you're Dell or you're Lenovo or whatever, I think the answer is, oh, we still have a an operating system to make hardware against, and we can come in just under the surface line, which is mostly what they do, right? They they crib a lot of design. It's it's true. Um, but then they do, on the high end, they do different things. Like, there's no Surface gaming PC, right? That's where all the action is right now in the PC market. That's where the growth is. It's gaming PCs, high-performance PCs. So they can win in those spaces. And then I don't think Microsoft really wants to sell, like, fleets of $500 laptops to UPS drivers. And that's, like, just a huge market for all these companies to still be in. And I, as long as Windows is still relatively good or its capabilities keep going forward, I, I think it's good for those companies. And I think, again, I, I think Panos is a good executive. I think he understands that challenge. Again, we've talked about it with him so many times. If he's pushing Windows forward because he wants to make cool hardware for Surface, I don't think he's going to like do the bad thing and, and hold it back from everybody else. I think that is the enormous temptation for him. So we're going to have to like check. But you, you, like, if he wants to make folding Windows devices in Two years, everyone will have access to that capability in Windows, and yeah. I think that's pretty good. We'll and see. actually, just to wrap it up, that is a contrast to what Google is doing. They are holding back their uh, very good uh, pixel camera software algorithms from everybody else. Yeah. They could, you know, but that that's special for the pixel. Mm. And Android, everybody else gets Android with bad cameras. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Like... I think there's a difference between like the OS level capability and like the software that enables your hardware. If that makes any sense, yeah. like the Pixel camera is the reason you should buy the Pixel. Right. Exactly. But there's not that much software that enables a hardware on Surface quite yet. Not really. There's like basic like battery controller, turn the camera on stuff. But the real question will be when Windows 10X comes out, will there be cool Windows stuff that is only available on the Surface Duo? Yeah. Or is it the Neo? Which the one Neo. is which? The Duo is God damn it. That I've I said it wrong this entire Vergecast. Don't at me. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. I mean, it's it's it. Uh, you know, Panos is making the Surface Duo too. That's his that's his baby. So he's in charge of Windows and he's making an Android phone. Historically, those those have not been the same groups of people. But I guess we're we're gonna find out. All right, we're gonna take a break. We come back. Speaking of Google, Google had earnings this week. We got to talk about it. And there are rumors of new Apple TV. We'll be right back. All right, Paul Miller, mm-hmm. live. I will say that we have not held the nation together with consistency. <laughs> that was a disaster. That's on me. The president said bullshit in the White House today on camera. It's a real thing, and that's your fault. <laughs> but wow. let's, let's keep it going. I'm not going to change the name if that's what you want. <laughs> the segment that I do every week is called Revenge of the Glass Hole. Oh, my God. Oh, God. Google Glass is back. So I... Had completely forgotten about this. But remember, after Google got rid of Google Glass, then they were like, well, actually, we've made another Google Glass. Um, so there's Google Glass Enterprise Edition 2. And it's just, it's a few tweaks. It is pretty much like the original Google Glass. It's got USB-C. And apparently it's been it's been hot with some enterprises, and now they're just gonna sell it directly. So you don't have to be part of like you had to be sort of part of some special organization somehow I'm sure, to get your hands on 
Google Glass Enterprise Edition 2. And now you could just be a pleb and give Google $1,000 for one of the greatest flops in human history. And I just love it. I just love this. This little guy keeps on going. <laughs> Poor Google Glass. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I will never forget wearing Google Glass the Indy 500 and just like a thousand drunk people been like, can you see through clothes that thing? And it was just like, no. But that's what that's what everyone wants from if you're gonna mm. mount a camera to your face, that's the level of value that you need to receive from it <laughs> to look this dumb. Yeah. Uh well I'm gonna buy one. Good. No, you're not. Yeah, you are. Yeah, you know, it's like I didn't I didn't buy a Pixel 3, so I Oh yeah. So I, I skipped a generation of pixels, so I'm gonna yep. Pixel four A rumor is starting to ramp up though. Just Ooh. FYI. We got a code name now. It's coming. Headphone jack, I'm told. Mm. I'm that's saying. not a joke? Huh? That's not a goof? Uh, I mean, it's the rumor. I don't know. Wait 20 minutes, the whole thing a week. We'll find out. All right. Speaking of Google, uh, earnings. Yeah. So earnings, blah, blah, blah. Google made money, blah, blah, blah. Nobody cares. Except Google finally started telling us how much it, uh, its various efficiencies make, uh, including and especially YouTube. Uh, it gave us three years of financial data. Last year, it made $15 billion, uh, which is a lot. It's a significant portion of uh, Google's overall revenue, something in the neighborhood of 10%, I think. And um, Google also said that they pay out the majority of that money uh, for content acquisition. Uh, so some of that goes to creators. Uh, so at least $7.501 billion uh, is going to that. I think they said it was like 8.5 or something. Anyway, yeah, and all of the new information that Google has provided has uh, served as an excellent way for everybody to uh, reify their opinions about Google. Mm. Uh, Yelp, very mad at Google, and they're saying, well, they, the only reason they released those numbers is because their overall uh, revenue was down, and so they were trying to, you know, uh, hide the fact that they are doing scary things with the search page and blah, 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 blah. They're, they're evil. Uh, YouTube creators, who rightfully are concerned about not getting paid enough and the adpocalypse and whatnot, are very mad because, look, they're making all this money that we should get more than, than we're currently getting. Um, and just like on and on and on. The big question is why did Google release these numbers? And I think it's twofold. One, they're probably trying to like hold off having the SEC yell at them because – uh, until now, when YouTube wouldn't re or they wouldn't release YouTube numbers, people are like, "Why not?" And they'd be like, "Well, you know, Larry Page is too busy, and so he doesn't even know." And it's like, "Well, that's that was that was dumb." <laughs> yeah. um, but now Sundar's in charge of everything, and so he knows. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's the real reason. I like, I, I think you can make a strong case that Larry Page just didn't didn't go to work. Sure, like, but like know, somebody knew. Right, so the I, the the rule is if this any material numbers reported to the CEO or whatever that's okay. So like you can oh, make so a strong case that Larry Page like it was at one of his sixteen flying car companies, right? Because he he has like a number of flying car companies. Yeah, more than any any one person <laughs> needs. <laughs> I will grant that like you might need one. Everyone yeah. needs one. <laughs> Once you hit three, you're getting a little excessive. Uh, so, like, he's distracted. He's like, is Google doing well? Everyone's like, yep, it's great. And he, he's not drilling into the – but Sundar definitely knows because he was a CEO of Google. So you're saying that – I was not at all aware of this, that company – the numbers that companies released are based on the numbers that have been reported to the CEO? That's It's at least part of the rule. I mean, there's like – the SEC has a number of – just think about, like, the SEC's interests here. 
right? It's if you're investing as a, a person in the public markets, mm-hmm. there's a certain amount of material information that you need to make decisions. So the SEC like mandates material information to investors. Huh. So like there's there's a lot of rules at play about what is material. So like for example, uh, you would think the number of iPhones sold would be material. Like Tim Cook definitely knows that number. Like if it, if I knew if it was going up or down, I might buy or sell Apple stock. But Apple decided, and they presumably the SEC, SEC now for several quarters has not caused a problem. Like we're going to tell, tell you iPhone revenue, not iPhone sales numbers. So like there's there's some play in there, but like as long as you're reporting enough to to inform investors so that the market is transparent, you're fine. So here, I think the answer was. Alphabet is a big holding company. There's a Google number. A lot of investors would like to know the YouTube number, but like it's not even important for our C. It's not even important such that our CEO needs to know the number, so we don't have to tell you. I feel like YouTube is the most important thing that Google does. I don't think you're wrong, I, and I think this is to backtrack to the other reason of why you do this now. The notion that Google search will be the engine of profitability for this company uh, is like it's under attack from all sides. Right. It's un- it's like, first of all, have enough people gotten phones in their lives. Mm-hmm. Right. So like we can't monetize all those additional data points. So like the users have flattened out. Then it's like on mobile. Have we junked this up enough? The answer is <laughs> abundantly. Yes. Has Paul switched over to DuckDuckGo? Yeah. And, and then on desktop, we made this change and everyone screamed and we did a whole verge cast and they had to change it back. Like is the ad load of a search page. So like it's flattening. out. It still makes a ton of money. A ton of money. And the but all the Google's moves to make more money off of basic search ads, this is where they make the vast majority of their money, are being watched way more closely now than they ever have been by, you know, antitrust regulators. Yeah. Uh, both in the US and in Europe especially. And so they can't grow much more because they've got everybody. Uh, they can't necessarily squeeze more out of what they already have without people going, hey, what the hell, Google? So they need other lines of business to start picking up the slack. Yeah, and and it's so the that's, same. That's why YouTube matters. It's a, it is the same story right now with Facebook and Instagram. Um, I think Bloomberg reported that Instagram makes twenty million or twenty billion dollars for for Facebook, mm. and it's one that's more. I think that's part of the reason it leaked. <laughs> <laughs> we have a bigger number, and second, it's you just see that happening inside of these services. Like the core Facebook growth, user growth, money has leveled off. Instagram is picking up. The Slack, I think Google is saying, look, YouTube is a big business and we haven't gotten all the way. Uh, Sundar said something really strange in the earnings call. He's like, we're adding shopping buttons to YouTube. If you search for like Puma sneakers review, you can buy the shoes right there. But like the, I, I haven't seen it. A bunch of people have like, that's not there yet. So maybe he just like leaked a feature. But they're doing more to like commercialize YouTube in that very direct way. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it was like the 15th anniversary of Maps Today. And he, yeah. Lauren, Lauren Get It Wired, our, our friend, had a great interview with Sundar, and he was just like, we're reorganizing the interface and doing more AI stuff, and like also there's going to be more ads in it. Like, they're, they're starting to monetize all their surfaces, which is, you know, like fun. But it's like the ad moment for all of Google services are here in a very serious way. Mm. Yeah. The, the other things that sort of came out around here, they called their hardware business a, quote, multi-billion dollar business. But who knows how many multi that is. Uh, all of everything in sort of Google's other category, uh, which also includes like subscription services like YouTube Music Premium and whatever, I guess was $17 billion, All of which tells me that Google doesn't make that much money on hardware, and uh, it's probably not coming from Pixel. It's probably coming from you know Chromecast and Nest and 
whatever else. Maybe some of it's a pixel, but it's a relatively small business. And then lastly, I don't know if this is on the earnings call, but Hiroshi Lockheimer tweeted that uh, Lifetime, Google has paid out $80 billion to Android developers, um, which is almost exactly half of what Apple has paid out to iPhone developers. The big caveat there is Apple's number includes payouts in China, and Google's doesn't. So I think the, regardless, the point is uh, there is still more money going out to developers on the iPhone than is going out to developers on Android, even if it's even if it's like close in China. I still think that that's true, which is wild because, again, I keep saying it until people remember it's 85 percent of all phones on the planet <laughs> is Android. <laughs> and yet they still aren't pulling in as much money. For developers, as the iPhone is, is that a culture of people buy like eighty eighty five percent of phones are Android, but how much uh, money is spent buying phones, Android phones? Because like if you know someone's buying a two hundred dollar Android phone versus an eight hundred dollar iPhone. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And how much are they spending on apps? And the, there's more free apps than Android. All of these storylines have been around for almost mm. a decade. Uh, but what's interesting is Google's number basically confirms it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What uh, here here's my hot take. It is almost certainly not true, but I'm going to say it and we can react to it. Okay. Uh wrong. <laughs> mobile operating <laughs> systems have not been good for software developers. Ooh. Okay. Name a software company, a pure play software company that exists because of a mobile operating system. Fantastical. That's like two people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like name a company on the scale of an Adobe. Zynga. <sighs> okay. Well, they had Farmville on desktop, though, right? Yeah, there's yeah. definitely the game, the game ones. Okay, for game sure, ones. like Pop, yeah. PopCap or whatever. Um, yeah. All the different podcast apps. Those are these all are like all, little these are businesses. All like one and two people. So you're shops. saying Adobe sized? Uh, yeah, I'm saying like Microsoft was an apps vendor, uh-huh. and it had a big business selling applications for computers. Okay, yeah. I got one for you. Yeah, this is a, this is a controversial one. Slack. Hmm. Okay. It's pretty good. That's what you got. Yeah. All right. So Microsoft's about to destroy Slack. <laughs> like, we'll see if that's true in another year. Uh, okay. Yeah. That's fine. Uh, uh, but, but I mean, your, your larger point, uh, to me, it's it's not so much the mobile OSs, although it's partly that. It's also the original sin of the App Store of like, well, let's just price this stuff at 99 cents, right? Yeah. That is what really Let's hurt. call them apps and make them feel like toys and price them real cheap and this will be the business. What about the, uh, like Square and Venmo? Those are pretty big businesses. But they don't sell software, right? They take a cut of transactions for buying other things. That's isn't that being a software business? Sure. I just meant like when you when you bought Photoshop in two thousand three, Adobe wasn't looking over your shoulder every time you you like paid your buddy for a movie to take two two cents out of it. Like you just bought the software, and moved on with your life. Mm-hmm. Like, like Square is like a credit card processing company. It just happens to have a software interface. Well, Minecraft. Does that count? Minecraft was on desktop. It was on consoles. Right. It's hard. Like, I'm sure someone's going to tweet at me, and I'm sure there's a thousand examples. But I come back. Dieter, you you said that you had your piece about uh, software pricing in the App Store. Yep. That's, that's where this idea came from. Um, our friend Ben Thompson has written about this over and over again. Like, the idea that these are platforms that, that you can build a big business on that isn't actually just a software shell for another more lucrative business is it hasn't been there yet. And I think this Google number is just another example of that. Like 85% of the phones in the world run Android and no one has built 
a huge business in supply, supplying Android software, like client applications, that isn't connected to some other business somewhere else. Or games. But even the game is like, free-to-play games are not sort of like, you don't grow up as a young child being like, I will charge you to stop waiting. <laughs> like, like, that's not, you know what I mean? Like, it's fine that that's a business model that emerged, but it's not, I don't know. Anyway, that's a little bit of a digression. Do you want to talk about television? What do you want to say about television? Well, there's going to be a new Apple TV, we're told. Well, it's about time. The last one came out in September 2017. Yeah, and who cares? Yeah, I guess like I, it's still the same. All, all we really want is a better remote control, right? It's all anybody wants is a better remote control. Um, well, what you in particular, Neil, I want is uh, support for more codecs, which isn't necessarily a hardware problem. It's a will Apple play ball problem. We should probably talk about uh, what it was like trying to watch 4K HDR in the Super Bowl. <laughs> How'd that go for you? So Amazon's a big company, right? Yeah. They're mm-hmm. really good at delivering things the next day. Yeah. And so on Friday, I think Fox and Roku announced that they couldn't they weren't going to renew their deal. Yeah. And so it wouldn't stream to Roku players and on Saturday announced it was going to be fine. And so in the meantime, I tried to order an Amazon Fire Stick so I could yeah. watch the game in 4K. And Amazon, I think they like sold out or they just like, couldn't deliver it to me in time. So on Saturday came, I ordered two different Roku's from two different sellers because I, w- I didn't trust anybody, uh, and one got there, and the other one is still yeah. not at my house. So it's fine. I mean, the Fox app worked fine. It streamed HDR10. It was. It looked good. It took like 36 gigs of data, which is crazy for four hours of video. Uh, yeah. I'm not too crazy. It's right there with everything else, but like most 4K stuff you watch is like a movie, right? In like mm. two hours, like four hours of sustained 4K streaming is a lot. 500 megabytes of upstream data. What was that Roku saying? <laughs> They, ke- so they continue to watch the Super Bowl. <laughs> what what on earth were they saying? Like, what That's, data was that thing generating? Half a gigabyte of data upstream. Your phone most likely has 128 or 256 gigs of storage. <laughs> That's like a significant hit on your storage. Yeah. It was, yeah. It was half a gig of data, right? Um, yeah. So, anyway, I don't know. Uh, we, we can ask, but it, it's a lot of ad pings is what I'm told. But mm. even then, it's like. It's a lot of ad pings. Don't you just need to tell them the Delta? They stopped watching the Super Bowl's useful right. information. They continue to watch the Super Bowl. No buttons have been pressed. Yeah. This should not take that much time. What, what the ad pings would be that Roku can tell that this ad is being shown. Roku's not putting its own ads in. Uh, so this was the heart of the dispute with Fox. So in, And I think this is like goes back to this whole conversation about app stores. Roku makes no money selling hardware. Like Anthony Wood has been on the virtual chassis, told right, us right, right. we do not make enough money selling hardware to support our engineering efforts. We must spy. <laughs> Basically, all of their money is in their ad ecosystem, in content placements, in their channel. If you want to publish an app that is monetized on the Roku store, you have to go through the Roku partner payments platform, blah, 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 mm. and they get a cut. And mm. so you can imagine that Fox is like, their deal is up. The Super Bowl is coming. They know people want to watch the Super Bowl on Roku. And they're like, we would like a different cut, please. We would like to take more money. And Roku said no. And they couldn't agree. And then they pulled the app. And Roku sent the email saying, sorry, Fox customers. You can't watch the Super Bowl on your Roku because Fox is a bully. Mm-hmm. And Fox said, no, we just want more money for the thing that we make. Mm-hmm. And then they, something happened. And they figured it out. Yeah. That is like a carriage dispute. That is what Turner does with Comcast or whatever. Like, yep. Except that usually it's different. Mm. right? Usually a cable company pays to run the channel. Right. Here, the channel pays to be on Roku, which is a little bit 
backwards, but it's the same, the heart of the debate. Which is why if you have an NVIDIA Shield and uh, you just run Android apps. Android apps come through the Play Store. That's just fine. But speaking or, of NVIDIA, their new game streaming service uh, doesn't have games from a bunch of publishers, even though in theory the idea is you just get your Steam library in the cloud uh, yeah. because they need a separate license, which means that we not only have carriage disputes for cable, we also have <laughs> it for set-top boxes, and now we're going to have it for cloud gaming. So let me – but so carriage disputes on cable is like a really interesting thing. So if you run a cable – this is like a true story. In the old days. Yeah. Right, you would have like the cable menu, you'd have the channel lineup. Where a channel got placed in the lineup is like a competitive concern. Oh, sure. You want to be channel 18 to channel 400. Right. And so, like, a big cable system buys uh, a big network. Yeah. For example, Comcast might buy NBC. Comcast uh-huh. is an investor in Box Media, by the way, a parent company. Seriously, uh, disclosure. Uh, and they might have ended up buying like the golf channel or the tennis channel. And suddenly those channels spike. In the guide. Yeah. In competing sports channels, uh, sue Comcast. This is a thing that happens all the time. Uh, there's an entire system at the FCC of, like, managing these disputes. Like an alternative mm-hmm. court arbitration management anti-discrimination system. Yeah. Just for, like, where the cable channels go, how the cable companies handle, the cha- like, their, their providers. It's like a whole thing, like a whole yeah. legal apparatus. And if that legal apparatus fails and they can't come to a resolution, uh, Ajipai opens up his drawer where he's got his D&D dice. <laughs> yeah. He just rolls a few of them, uh, well, and just then that becomes your channel. Uh, it's, just, it's like an interesting thing because like that was developed over years and years and years of like argument and conflict and whatever. None of that exists for the Rokus of the world or the Apples of the world or these app stores. And so there is like a... A little bit of a drumbeat of like, hey, this is kind of a solved problem, right? Like managing these disputes, like we understand what these disputes are. We understand how to evaluate who wins and who loses. We understand how to how to split the difference in terms of money. There's an entire like, what if we just build a system like that for this stuff? And it's I think we're just at that this place now where these problems are so dumb that it seems silly that there isn't a system by which they can be managed. It's just fun. It like. These are just TV problems now. You can't get the Fox Sports app on your Roku before the Super Bowl because they can't come to terms on, on payment. Or uh, the Roku store promotes certain things above other things, even though they own their own channel. Like, Apple's going to promote its content. Amazon, if you buy a Fire TV, like, I don't know if you heard about this, but Amazon makes TV shows, you guys. Uh, they're called Amazon. Or, like, they're, woo. I don't know if you know about that. Like, that's all the Fire TVs, like, screaming at you. So, like... There's just a world in which there's there's a lot of competition there now. I think it's pretty good. But there's a world in which as it kind of coalesces, you see a bunch of the cable TV problems are just going to come along for the ride. I want to believe in gamers. that <laughs> They will put up with some quantity of bullshit, but they're not quite as bullshit tolerant in the sense that they can they 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 know better how to move move platforms. And I think the outcry of like uh, a lot of the exclusive stuff, like because PC gaming hasn't had like a lot of exclusives before now. Everything's been on Steam, um, and then like a little bit has been on UPlay, uh, and a little bit spawned on BattleNet. But now there's now with Epic uh, Games having its launcher and and its whole store and trying to create some sort of bifurcated PC gaming market. I feel like g- the gamers are so mad at that that I actually think that maybe it won't become a hellscape, but. Who knows? Well, the, the Epic Store is a really good one, right? Like, um, they announced an alternative app store. They have this other deal. Like, 
pri- the the cuts that game stores take have just like dropped, right? Like Apple takes thirty percent from every developer, but in the games world, like Epic takes less, Steam takes less. Like those numbers are dropping just because there's a little bit of competition for developers. That's like a yes, competition lowers prices. It's, By the way, uh, just to it was the tennis channel that was mad at Comcast. They sued each other for years and years and years. It finally ended in 2015. I'm just saying this is like a classic. If you're interested, this is like a classic case of Comcast bought something and they put their channels in the, like the free tiers, and to get the tennis channel, they had to pay extra. And they, it's like a whole whole FCC thing. I know a lot about the FCC, you guys. Do you want to tell me I code extra two minutes? <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Wait, how was your Super Bowl quality? It was great. It looked great. So, you know, an interesting problem for live high-res video is that when you're watching a movie, it can just buffer. Mm-hmm. They know what's coming. Yeah. yeah. They know what happens at the end of Ford versus Ferrari. I won't tell you, but Ford wins. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's just a fact. But, like, they've got the whole file, right? So they can, they can buffer. You can't really buffer the Super Bowl without interesting delay, and they'd eventually just... That, that stream just got farther and farther behind. Yeah. Um, and like, so like live streaming, I think, is still, if what people want is live 4K sports, like the bandwidth requirements are just going to get higher and higher, or you're going to just deal with a delay. Fox said it was up to a minute in some cases, which is wild for the Super Bowl. If you're like a, like a betting type person and you're a minute behind, like, whew, that's not great for you. Uh, I'm not a betting type person. Uh, I, I, I use that money to buy limousines in Las Vegas. I, That's a real real fact. I know Twitch has a setting. It's basically you can have high quality, high latency, or or lower quality, low latency, or you can be like a super high end popular streamer. And I think you get high quality. <laughs> you get everything. Uh, it's just like it's just a fact. Like they have to encode everything on the fly and, and get it out mm-hmm. and like th- that. Well, I also wonder if that there. had something to do with how high your bitrate was. The bitrate came out to about twenty, and like Netflix recommends twenty five, so it was it was in the right zone. But yeah, I mean it it worked. I'm like proud of them that it worked. Mm. It looked really cool. Like it, it's going to be hard to go back to watching 720p broadcast sports. We never really talked about the, the Apple TV. Here's what I think they need to do: with the Apple. they need to change the remote. They need to not worry about Apple TV uh, or Apple Arcade games running the A12 or A13. Yeah. and they need to make it like a fifty dollars stick. Yeah, they definitely need to make a stick. That's the real problem. It's like, is it, what, what's it, 180 or something? Like, that's too much. Yeah, it's, it's way too it's much. It's entirely too expensive. And yep. they have no self-confidence about the interface, which is like a weird zone for Apple to be in. Mm-hmm. Right? They've got the Aptile interface, and they've got the just what is happening here Apple TV app interface. And it, mm-hmm. they haven't yet decided which is the interface of the whole thing. But that's not a hardware problem. That's just a change the software setting problem, and they just don't have the, the confidence to do it yet. Yeah, I mean, they need to make a much cheaper thing with a better interface and a better remote. Which So basically what I'm saying is they need to throw out the Apple TV <laughs> and uh, make something way simpler. And it, it is wild that they haven't made a stick. And I know that people, Apple doesn't make cheap things, blah, 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 but like, the sticks are fine, y'all. Like, you can get 4K HDR out of a stick. It's fine. Well, so here's the, 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 the confusing thing to me is... We know that making the shows is not their business. They are not expecting to make back the budget of the morning show and For All Mankind and C and, honestly, The, the uh, Servant. Like, those are very expensive shows. They're not expecting to make that back based on four ninety nine a month and or giving it away for a year if you just, like, breathe at an iPhone, right? 
they're expecting that you're going to open the app to watch those shows. In the app, you will see that you can watch some HBO shows, and then you will push the button to subscribe to HBO inside the app, and Apple will take 30% of that. Right? That's like their, it's the same business model Amazon has with the Fire Stick. So it's, it's another cable box. Right, it's just it's the dream of the a la carte cable box. You open this thing, you can subscribe to the channels you want, you can quit them when you want, whatever. Okay, that all makes sense, but it's on everyone else's hardware, right? Like the idea that you're going to buy a Roku and then you're going to subscribe to all your channels inside of this one app over here instead of just doing it directly, I think is they haven't quite squared that circle, and they haven't made their own hardware so compelling that you'll buy it and then definitely use it that way. So I think that's the problem. Like, yep, they've got the app in all these places, and maybe you'll watch the morning show on your Roku or your Fire Stick or your Android TV, but you're not going to say, you know what, now that I've watched the morning show in this app, this is where I should also subscribe to HBO. And I think that's, like, confused. Unless you, like, really, like, finish the thought of, oh, I'd, I want to have all of this stuff on my iPhone and iPad without having to think about it and having to install yet another app or whatever, that is what finishes the thought. But uh, are people thinking on their Roku, I should make sure to use the Apple app to subscribe to HBO so that on my iPhone I can use Apple TV to watch HBO? Like, that's a lot of ch- steps in the chain for people to have It's a lot of steps. To- and they are also, I don't know if they've done this yet, but they are building an iCloud SSO for TV. So if you download the HBO Go app, you can then sign into it using your Apple TV credentials. So, like, now you're just, like, all over the place. Now you're just, like, I, what I wish to have is a billing relationship with Apple Inc. Like, I don't. I think about nerdy TV things all the time. I've never thought to myself, I need to consolidate my billing relationships. I, I suspect have. most Americans have, uh, yeah, have done that. Yeah. Look, I want them to make a TV. Just make me a TV. How does that solve any of these problems? Then you'll have a TV. <laughs> it's like two, a $2,000 television. Uh, yeah, it'd be great. It would be, much, it would be a lot cleaner than whatever they're doing now, which is just all over the place. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't think they know what they want to do with this product yet. I think it's still a hobby, and they... They just had like Jennifer Aniston is on the payroll now, right? <laughs> Which like in terms of like your hobby, like you've like advanced level hobbyist. Mm-hmm. Like I love model trains. Also, I'm paying Oprah a lot of money <laughs> to say choo choo. <laughs> yeah. What? what? I don't know, man. All right, this one's off the rails. I love you all. I really hope Microsoft buys Nokia again. I just want to say it one more time. Double E lob, rock and roll. Paul, promo code. Thanks to Canva for their support. Canva wants to make your presentations come as easy as those thoughts that pass through your head. And thanks to their AI, you can start with a simple prompt and watch Canva go to work. Choose your favorite style, customize the content, and you're done. It's a serious time saver. Whatever you do for work, Canva presentations can give you a head start on your deck. You can generate sales presentations, marketing decks, HR onboarding plans, you name it. Finish your deck faster. Generate slides in seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work.